the Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo with Patrick and Kumamoto. How are you? I am doing great. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a brand new day. <laughs> <laughs> brand new day. And the weather, it's already getting warmer here. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's like today I, you know, even going outside, I didn't even bring a jacket. Wow. We had one day that was in the 60s last week, but <laughs> it hasn't happened again. But uh, you mean like the hippies 60s or are you talking about temperature? It was temperature, Fahrenheit. <laughs> you haven't lived here long enough, Tim. I can't even think in Fahrenheit anymore. Well, yeah, I I don't know. I keep Fahrenheit on my phone and I I, I don't know. I keep thinking I should teach myself to, to understand centigrade, but <laughs> I just have a vague understanding of like, okay, zero is freezing and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I only switch to Fahrenheit when I need to know what temperature it takes to burn a book. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay. I'm I think sorry, it's 451. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're up to Fullmetal Alchemist Chapter 7, After the Rain. Uh, reading this one, what really impressed me about it was how the comedy was woven into serious moments. You know, you got some, there's some dark aspects to this chapter, but at the same time, there's the, here and there, there'll be these like one or two panels of this goofy joke. And, and it really works well somehow. It totally does. And uh, it doesn't bring me out of the, of the, the moment, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and I think that, you know, you can see who are the ones who are being, who are kind of, not cracking jokes, but are who are uh, allowing themselves to be the butt of jokes, and it's. I think part of that comes from their confidence in the situation, if that makes any sense. Like, hmm. you know, like you don't see Ed and Al in this chapter doing any humorous stuff until the tension has already been dissolved. You know what I mean? Hmm. Because they're not in a place where they can be a part of the joke. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's there's something about Japanese humor, especially like uh, for people who are into the the manzai, you know, the the Laurel and Hardy type combination where you have the straight man, and I never know what to call the other guy who's mm -hmm. not the straight man. What do they think in Japanese? Isn't it bokeh? Yeah, it's skomi and bokeh. And so, uh, uh, a friend of mine from Osaka, he told me that when when uh, Osaka people gather together for uh, dinner or something like that, they have to seat everybody carefully uh, because they want the uh, that skomi to go next to the bokeh, and they want the <laughs> The bokegoroshi, the people who diffuse humor, they want to separate those people from <laughs> from the bokeh. And he he explained it in all this detail. It was fascinating. Mm. And uh, but it made me think about that part of Japanese humor is actually kind of acquiescing to it, like rolling with it, being a part of it. They have a they have one phrase called uh, noritsukomi. Which is you kind of uh, you're going with the flow, but then you uh, act as your own straight man. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you start going with the joke and then you say, what are you talking about? You know, like that, <laughs> to, but to yourself, you know. So there's, hmm. uh, they've really made an art of analyzing uh, humor. So like when people uh, kind of intimate that uh, Japanese are humorless people, I'm, you know, it just shows their own uh, kind of ignorance and stereotyping uh, because mm-hmm. they they know the... They know the movies where everybody's very dead serious and talking about honor all the time. <laughs> I've never, ever, ever met a guy in my 26 years here who ever dropped the word honor in a conversation, <laughs> except no. for when, uh, you know, I was like translating scripts for martial arts competitions or something <laughs> like this. And. So I think the amount of like kind of as outsiders, the amount of, I don't know, lip service that we give to Japanese honor, etc. is a very curious thing. Mm, <laughs> you know, it's, mm. uh, <laughs> it's like we really don't see it as mm-hmm. far as like, uh, yeah, it works in the movies because it's the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if people aren't really walking around with samurai spirit as much as that word gets thrown around in Japanese press or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there's mm. they're very funny. They're very funny, and as we can yeah. see from anybody who reads uh, Japanese comics with humor in them, know that uh, there's can often be a very sublime sense uh, of humor, and I think that. Uh, Arakawa has always done a really good job of finding those points and she doesn't and she doesn't force them into every chapter she doesn't force them into uh situations where they wouldn't fit and like you said it was is kind of a very smooth um and it, it that's why it kind of hits you because you don't expect mm-hmm. it right uh, well i mean humor uh, most often arises from being unexpected or uh, feeling superior to someone. And yeah, I could kind of see both of those in the gags in this chapter <laughs> because, you know, almost every gag is putting somebody down. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and making often, fun of somebody. And often it's, and often they kind of deserve it because they're being <laughs> a little bit arrogant. Yeah. Or, bringing them know. down to earth. That's right. That's right. It's kind of, you know, uh, and, and yeah, that's an interesting point. Is like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't get cocky, kid. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <Is that? laughs> but also, I felt like there's a little bit of you know, also identifying with the person who is being brought down to earth, because you know we all have moments when we're not very confident in ourselves or feeling like you know we're stupid or we've we've gone too far or something like that. Well, yes. And, and there's the kind of character, uh, called the Kiza who is always takes himself super seriously, always makes sure that he's got the right clothes, the right haircut, the right look, and always talks in a very superior manner. Uh, doesn't let down any kind of facade. He has to maintain a certain level of, uh, superiority slash coolness Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah these people are often 
quite humorless. And so, uh, like seeing somebody like Mustang, who is definitely uh, thinks he's a good-looking guy, and uh, <laughs> you know, and he's all, he's their boss, so he has the superiority covered. Uh, so it's uh, it's funny to see him kind of kind of brought down uh, momentarily, momentarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's <laughs> I, I'm not sure how it's translated in English uh, that that particular joke. But maybe when we go through, yeah, uh, we can. Uh, I can ask you about that. What it is in English. One other thing I wanted to say before we start going through the story is, um, I was thinking about why I like this comic so much more than One Piece. Mm-hmm. Because One Piece, you know, the beginning of a story will be have a lot of je- of jokes in it and then when the action gets going then it becomes so serious <laughs> and you know there be there'll be virtually no humor for chapters on end and you know there's you know people there's kind of violence and people are bleeding and it's like but there's nothing to break the tension and it just takes itself too seriously i feel like um until the st- story is resolved and they move on to the next place and then before before the action starts then there'll be gags again but <laughs> in in this comic there it it's always both there's always darkness and seriousness and also gags <laughs> oh that's funny because see what that reminds me of is uh there is a uh a mangaka M- M- morita masanori and he did the series like rookies mm. and yeah. uh his first like debut breakout was Rokudenashi blues okay and uh this is kind of like um a school kind of uh gang not gangs but uh you know kind of tough boys beating the crap out of each other uh and the main character is a, a very charismatic guy who eventually wants to be a pro boxer. And mm. so, and there's a little bit of romantic uh, angle in there, but it's like slam dunk where it's, it takes quite a big backseat, but every once in a while it'll show up the romantic angle. Mm. But that comic, like, of course, the fight scenes uh, and that air, that part is quite serious and quite, uh, quite violent, but. I remember one of the early uh, storylines. You had the boxing club versus the, and it's going to sound funny, the cheerleaders. Because, you know, Japanese cheerleaders are male. And uh, the mm. oendan, you know, like, katobase, and they have, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a masculine <laughs> club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have the oendan, the, the, the cheer, basically the, the cheerleaders versus the, the boxing club. And it's tearing the school apart, mm. and so it's quite serious. And uh, but these uh, basically first-year high schoolers uh, have come into the school, and he's kind of a badass. Uh, and he so, of course, the older students not happy about somebody flaunting their strength without being, you know, older, etc. Um, but he basically kind of brings the two 
halves of the school together. But before that, there's this big knockout, dragout fight, and the leader of the boxing club is stuck in the toilet because there's no toilet paper. <laughs> so he's giving orders from the stall in the, in the boys' bathroom throughout the whole thing, okay? And mm. right near the end, he looks up and sees two spare rolls at the top of the <laughs> stall. And that moment, I just lost it. <laughs> because he just looks up... <laughs> and it was, I lost it because I was like, I've never seen anybody, you know, blend that, that those two <laughs> very different moods. But this, we have uh, that great uh, blend uh, in this comic. And yeah, that's, I, I think you've hit on a very uh, exciting point, you know, because... I mean, I think One Piece may be read as a once-a-week thing. You know, mm. like when the weekly jump came out, I probably wouldn't have given up on it so early. I, I read about 14 volumes, mm. and I've actually gotten a lot of pressure from my mentor um, and my wife, uh, because my wife recently reread the whole damn thing. <laughs> And she said that, uh, yes, the first half is, you know, maybe not the best. But, like, when once you get to, like, volume 50, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> 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 and, and my mentor is like, hey, listen, the guys from Kumamoto, you have to support him, you know. There's <laughs> One Piece statues popping up all over this prefecture recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, I'm like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll give it a look. But I've got like 50 million things I want to read, so, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but like, I, I was thinking about like when I started reading old comic strips, like uh, the early Popeye, like when Popeye was introduced to Thimble Theater. Mm. And those comic strips were obviously humor strips, but the adventure part was still thrilling, mm. which you don't normally think about with, with Popeye if you just knew the cartoons. Mm -hmm. But the adventure part is quite thrilling. And the, the fact that he was able to, uh, E.C. Seeger, the fact that he was able to pull off that balance every day in a four-panel strip is mm. is amazing. And uh. it's something that we definitely don't see these days. But I think, like, it occurs in Japanese comics. Mm -hmm. mm. But they have a little more leeway, you know. They have a lot of panels yeah. uh, that they can pull off in a week. It's not just for a day, but... Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, this is Chapter 7, After the Rain, uh, picking up where we left off last time as... Scar has just caused Ed's uh, automail arm to fall apart. Um, and he's also already uh, very badly damaged uh, Al's armor. Um, he can't even quite move normally because part of his armor is just gone. That's right. I love how it starts immediately, like mid... Like the, the last chapter ended with the arm being blown apart and this chapter starts with the pieces still kind of floating in the air and falling to the ground. Right. Yeah. No time has passed. 
So no, not a know. second has passed since last chapter. So, like, even if you didn't read the last chapter, you can immediately see, okay, his arm's destroyed. This is the guy who did it. Uh, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and Scar is intent on killing Ed. He's, he, he only wants to kill Ed. He, do, he doesn't necessarily want to kill Al. And Ed's, like, he's not in a position to fight him. And he says, okay, well, you can kill me, but promise not to kill Al. Scar promises, but Al is, you know, shouting no. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing at that at the bottom of that page is that uh, yeah he's you really feel like the the desperation of somebody who just doesn't have any options and can only mm-hmm. basically make an appeal. Uh, yeah, the art really gets the tension across. Um, and the, in the English version here, the lettering of the no also, it's it's really rough. It's, mm, yeah, it's, similar it's, to uh, Yamero, Yamero, okay, Yamero. <laughs> yeah, it's also very, yeah, the handwriting is similar. The font, the, or, or font. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, he's trying to get his brother to run away. Yeah, he's like, don't, don't do it. Yeah, he's he's telling As he's Ed, Ed to run away. Uh, and but uh, Scar's about to kill Ed, and then there's a gunshot, and it's Mustang firing into the air with a couple of other military people behind him, Hawkeye, and I don't know this other guy. Um, but Mustang break, uh, breaks it up. And recognizes Scar, that man is suspected in the serial killings of state alchemists. And judging from what I'm seeing, that suspicion just became fact. Um, oh, and also re- uh, points out that Scar uh, did the murder at the Tucker estate. Uh, show Tucker and the co- combined uh, Nina and the dog Alexander. Mm. And... Yeah, Ed reacts to that, look, looking angry, and and swings to look at uh, Scar. Yeah, but Scar feels completely justified uh, because alchemists turn the natural into unnatural. They sin by defacing God's creation. I am an instrument of divine judgment. That's right. And when, once we hear words like this, uh, we know instant bad guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because mm. there's no negotiating with somebody who mm. uh, is talking in like dogmatic terms. Yeah, and he's he's telling Mustang, if you or the others try to stop me, I'll just kill you too. And uh, Mustang is ready to give him the full flame alchemist treatment, and <laughs> so a big fight is brewing here, and then. Hawkeye trips Mustang as he's running and causes... Now, it looks like he misses... So, uh, Scar misses him. Scar is reaching out, but Mustang is falling and is there's no impact there. That's right. Between the two of them. That's right. The, uh, the, the sound effect in Japanese is Gakun and... Uh, this is a sound that many people know because uh, 
Have you ever had somebody stand behind you and then like uh, bend their knees at your knees and forcing you to bend your knees? <laughs> okay. That's called hizagakun. Mm. And it's it's kind of like a, it's it's a lot better than kancha. Let me just say that. But it's the same kind of gag where somebody kind of uh, surprises you from behind, and suddenly mm. you're if they hit your knees just right, your your knees will buckle. Uh, okay. But that's so it's that's what that's representing. He's kind of buckling there. <laughs> yeah. So the English has two sound effects. There's a vuf. Uh, above Scar, and then behind Mustang, there's a whoosh. And I'm okay. not sure what the... I guess what the voof is maybe Scar missing, and the whoosh is Mustang falling down? I'm not sure. I think that's what they've read it as. Uh, the In the Japanese, it looks like the... Uh, him doing his attack, it almost sounds... Uh, like it's bolt, but it's it's almost like a vibrating kind of uh, an electric or a flame kind of sound effect. Mm-hmm. So like a power, there's a power involved, energy, and then okay. the yeah, and then I would I don't know I guess if I was forced to put this in English, I might put stumble instead of <laughs> whoosh. Mm, yeah, because whoosh sounds like it should be the sound effect for. Scar's arm. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't sound like falling down. Yeah. Uh, and Hawkeye's shooting at Scar, but she can't hit him. He's too fast. And Mustang is angry to have been tripped. What was that for? <laughs> and Hawkeye says, you're useless on rainy days. Please stand back, Colonel. And in the next panel, then, we've got the word useless uh hitting Mustang on the head with a wham. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's yeah, like <laughs> I mean it's not impotent, but that's what it you know, that Muno is basically, yeah, without use, without any, you know, utility. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's basically saying, you know, you're impotent. Yeah. And but the, not not in a sexual manner, but still it's like definitely uh, an attack on his uh, masculinity as well as just his utility. Mm-hmm. And the other soldier is saying, yeah, he can't put out sparks in this moisture because it's kind of raining still. <laughs> um, and interesting, that you, you can't see Mustang's face. It's off panel. But you can see he's sweating. Um, well, that, that mm. half kind of shadow coloring in the face, that's... Mm. That's like the color draining from mm. his face, or it's the opposite of that, like the blood rushing to his head, perhaps. But it's, it's yeah, a, a common trope, you know, like when somebody's got shocking news or super depressed or something like that. Uh, and it's his own realization that he actually is useless, I think, that it's hitting him over the head uh, mm-hmm. because the guy explains it <laughs> like. Yeah, you can't make sparks uh, in the rain. And then he has a, a gan, which is like the shock of realization. And mm-hmm. then the word basically echoing in his head, useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's like we were saying at the beginning, you know, him being brought down to earth here. Um, and a nice gag, a nice uh, breaking of the tension. 
Scar is ready to take out everybody, and then uh, Armstrong comes up behind him and swings at him. And he's got brass knuckles on. Uh, spiked brass knuckles. Spiked brass knuckles, yes. Yeah. Um, but he misses and uh, crashes into the wall. Kabam. Yeah, and so, yeah, we see that the, this guy is not just a... You know, he doesn't just have uh, alchemical powers. I mean, he's super adept at fighting. And so he seems invincible, you know? And that's the impression I got the first time I read uh, the series, is that how are they going to defeat this guy? Mm-hmm. I felt, actually, I felt hopeless. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's... He's so fast and, uh, well, established in a couple of pages here, he does use alchemy himself. Well, I think we as readers kind of knew that because of the way he would, you know, his touch was destroying and there's electricity flying from his mm -hmm. hands when he damages Ed and Al. So, yeah, well, and back when he, when he killed uh, Show Tucker and the others... Yes, exactly. So, and uh, Armstrong is the strong arm alchemist. How how is that stated in Japanese? Uh, let's see. Where is that? On 112. If the page numbering is the same. Uh, 112. Yes, yes it is. I don't know how to directly translate this, but it's like uh a kind of exceptional, exceptional strength, like kind of mm. an idea. Uh, Wanjoku is like, uh, yeah, is like arm power. Mm. So the way it comes out in English is that he's arm strong and he's the strong arm alchemist, just switching the <laughs> elements of his last name. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> and. Scar thinks it's a gift from God that all these alchemists have approached him. He doesn't have to go look for them to kill them. They're all right there for him. That's right. Armstrong takes a brick and changes it into a pointed projectile and shoots it at Scar, but just misses him. I like how you, I like how you explained it, that he takes a brick. He throws this big hunk of concrete mm -hmm. up in the air. <laughs> yeah. And then, so he basically, like, transforms in mid-flight. He punches it in the air mm -hmm. uh, and then transforms it into this huge, uh, what are those things that uh, killed the dragons in Game of Thrones? <laughs> That's big. <laughs> I forgot what they're called, you know, like, uh, there's a specific word for these huge crossbows. Mm. Uh I was never good. Even when I played D&D, I was never good at, like, the names of all the obscure weapons. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I was one of those D&D players that never knew the rules. I just knew how to play a character. Uh, and so I kind of faked it. I still don't know what a halberd is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to know. Um yeah. But that's what it looks like. It looks like a big uh, arrowhead from one of those huge mm -hmm. crossbows. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that barely misses, but now Armstrong is just basically tearing up the brick street and causing huge spikes to come out of it uh, aimed at Scar. Yes, yes. It's, uh, I think it's clear that, you know, the big bulldozer tank attack is not going to work on this guy unless you can hit him. Mm-hmm. So uh, perhaps like a combination of these two things, if he would have done the spikes first and clo- cut off his movement a little bit and then thrown the, the big uh, arrow thing, <laughs> might have worked might have worked a little better but as mm-hmm. we know he's scar is quite adept at uh, removing obstacles yeah so. well in any way it's too early in the story for <laughs> for f- effective attacks on scar i know this is how i think tim <laughs> i'm like why you know like uh i don't think like well this is what i would have done but i mean yes i do i do i do, do that <laughs> i do do that i'm like if uh, i were an alchemist yeah, if I were an alchemist, why like why wouldn't I do that first? You know, this guy's already showed how very quickly he's uh, moving, so I'd want to try to reduce his movement. But it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked is the point because Scar is really good at uh, destroying things instantly, and so he would have you know mm-hmm. been able to uh, escape anyway. And that other soldier is yelling, Major, don't tear up the street. Uh, but uh, Major Armstrong is saying, you know, alchemists can destroy and then can also create. Uh, and as he's spouting these platitudes, his he just tears his shirt off. Rip. <laughs> uh, and then the guy says, why did he take his shirt off? <laughs> and Hawkeye, yeah. that's, re- that's some really crazy alchemy. And and the what I like about okay so it's like uh, the rhythm in Japanese it's like it's only four syllables naze nugu ah. and so it's a really quick you know mm-hmm. a really quick beat there so it it really I it just hit me hit me so like right in the solar plexus with it <laughs> why naked you know like. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and he's and all shiny because you know he's very proud of his big muscular Ed mm-hmm. McGinnis. That's always the guy I try to remember. His big yeah. muscular Ed McGinnis body. <laughs> and Scar is just kind of looking at him like, <laughs> with the little the three dots in his word balloon. Yeah, this is one of the only times we see Scar doing some kind of not even humorous, but it's basically it's the the. The humor of the moment is so uh, antithetical to Scar's character that he just really can't react to it. <laughs> like, you know, it and there's even a, a spotlight on Armstrong in this panel. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, while responding to Hawkeye... Armstrong says, crazy, eh? A fellow alchemist knows the truth in what I say. Isn't that right, Scar? And Mustang, a fellow, are you saying he's an alchemist too? So there are three steps, analysis, destruction, and reconstruction. And Scar just stops at uh, the stage of deconstruction. He just destroys. He doesn't create. Right. Right. Uh, And... 
this is, you know, like a lot of Japanese comics love to get into systems, you mm. know, uh, like Hunter Hunter uh, by the guy who did Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, I was really into it until he got really deep into all the systems and power balance because it felt like I was reading a manual for a game. Mm. And not even a manual, a one of those like user guides made by somebody else explaining the intricacies <laughs> of everything. And it for me it really bogged things down mm-hmm. and I, I understand like when I'm world building, when I'm writing something or if I'm having to create a magic system, yes, I want to work out all those things. But I don't want to put them in the book. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I want to work them out in the background so that uh, there's some balance to it, mm-hmm. some reality to well, it. But and maybe you know a, a show don't tell approach would help too. You know, um, One Punch Man did the same thing. It was good at first, and then it got into this whole system of like the ranking of the superheroes or something, and then it got boring. <laughs> That's a whole Dragon Ball thing you know the whole dragon ball thing of the tournaments and then having to be the best why why do you have to be the best uh because i want to be the best oh (laughs) great motivation (laughs) wonderful motivation so yeah that's but but saying that like this is very simple uh it's not convoluted there's no midichlorians (laughs) 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 you know so, uh, yeah, it's. I thought it was a good, uh, you know, under, very understandable and not not heavy, overburdening. So the alchemists are kind of puzzling over why Scar hates alchemists if he's also an alchemist, uh, and why he only goes after alchemists with government licenses. Yeah, yep. I, you know, I'm diverging again, Tim. And you can't stop me, Tim. You can't. You just can't. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie The Jerk? Long time ago, yeah. Okay, well, there's a scene where a a crazed sniper assassin picks a name out of the phone book. And uh, he starts trying to kill Steve Martin's character. Mm-hmm. And he's aiming at Steve Martin, who is working at a gas station, but he keeps missing. And he first he hits cans of oil, and oil starts leaking out. And then he hits like other cans of like brake fluid and stuff like that. And Steve Martin's character goes, oh, "It's the cans. He hates the cans." <laughs> and it's like, so I don't know why that reminds me. Of this they're trying to figure out why does he hate us? Yeah, you, know? mm. <laughs> you know, it's the uniforms. He hates the uniforms. <laughs> No, well, they will figure it out by the end of this chapter. But uh, Scar is fighting Armstrong and then doesn't understand why Armstrong has him cornered and then pulls back. But it's because uh, Hawkeye's getting a bead on him and she shoots at him and does kind of graze him with one shot. And his sunglasses come off and they notice... Uh, his red eyes. Uh, so his the red eyes and his dark skin mean that he's an Ishv- Ishvarlan. Mm. Kind of hard to say, Ishvarlan. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 
you know, like we're reading black and white comics. And so mm-hmm. for a moment, just for a moment, I, I remember things like radio shows where they have to explain, what are you doing with that knife? You're slowly sticking it into my belly. Oh, and now you're lifting <laughs> it up. Don't do that. It hurts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, you have to, it, it shows the little spark of recognition uh, from Armstrong, so we know that he's noticing something. But yeah, he's mm. got a he's got to mention the red eyes. Otherwise, we have no idea what, mm-hmm. unless you know, uh, unless that particular episode there's a color insert, which sometimes they do, but this one wasn't. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and this is the first time we see his eyes. So we definitely need that explanation in there. Um, if it was a an American comic, uh, they, it would probably be in a narration box or something. Mm. You know, possibly. Yeah. So Scar decides there are, he's up against too many people. So he creates basically a big sinkhole in the street and escapes into the sewer system. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he makes a man sized hole. No, it's a truck size hole. <laughs> I know. So it's like he's way over the top, way over the top. <laughs> but I mean, it's we see how extremely powerful he is, I suppose. Uh, and over the top, but like he's not subtle and he doesn't care about the destruction that he he brings about. Mm-hmm. I like how like in the the panel where he's actually like put his fist on the ground and it makes a very clean circle around him. Hmm. But when the destruction actually happens, it's not as neat as all that, you Mm -hmm. know, the hole that he makes is actually, uh, because of the materials or whatever, it's, it's not a clean hole where, uh, you know, so I guess it's, even emphasizing the destruction even more because of all the uneven jagged edges. And I thought that that is a a good choice. Interesting choice by the creator. Mm -hmm. So then Lieutenant Colonel Hughes comes out from where he was hiding (laughs) uh, with the excuse, if things went bad, someone had to live to tell the tale. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, even this is like uh, when Armstrong and he's posing, there's a little sound effect of him actually flexing. <laughs> oh no, no, that sound effect is for the thumb uh, that he's. Uh, mm. But basically, Armstrong's saying, "Where were you?" And Hughes said, "I was hiding." <laughs> and he's like, got his thumb out, like you know. So he's yeah. He's in very the English, like, in the English above his thumb, it says, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a good choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's just very. Uh, uh, forward about it very proud of the fact <laughs> i was hiding um, like, of mustangs was. mustangs giving him a hard time you know, maybe you could have helped us but uh he says forget it don't try to drag normal humans like me under the big top with the rest of you freaks that's right he's not an alchemist he's a he's just rank and file military yeah that's right that's right i was gonna say bureaucrat but not bureaucrat but he's yeah he's a desk jockey basically right i think so yeah well i mean he's a soldier but but yeah he's not a state alchemist so Mm. 
Ed is concerned about Al because his armor is so badly damaged and he's not moving. And he says, Al, are you all right? Hey. And then Al uh, calls him an idiot and clocks him. <laughs> That's right. Uh, because right. he didn't run when when he, he said to. But Ed says, I didn't want to just leave you here. That's what I mean by stupid. And Al punches him again. And then as they're fighting, instead of seeing them in that bottom panel, we see everybody else kind of standing around <laughs> waiting for them to finish their fight. Yeah, as they're yelling at each <laughs> other. Well, this is, I mean, and I think that's actually an interesting thing. I mean, they've got this kind of like, uh, what's going on, look on their faces. Mm -hmm. But uh, <clears throat> this is obviously a very, like, personal moment between mm -hmm. the brothers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we see normally a very strong-willed, uh, you know, big-talking Ed. But when confronted by, by his... Uh, his little brother's strong emotions, his, the, the, the type is smaller. So we, we, we realize he's talking in a smaller voice and it, and I, we, I can hear his voice going like, but, 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 you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, in the, in the Japanese, like uh, Al's voice is in bold and it's very strong and angry. And then even the, the word balloon is, uh, you know, a little bit wavy and not very strong, very weak line. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's really good use of the text in this comic often. You know, like the size changes quite a bit uh, mm. depending on people's uh, tone of voice, etc. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be distracting, but it's never, never done poorly in this series, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it done poorly sometimes in comics that we cover on Critiquing Comics, but but yeah, it's not distracting here. But that bottom panel, I liked how, I mean, it's a, it's a serious moment between the brothers, but at the same time, instead of, by focusing on everybody else's discomfort, it... In, puts a little bit of humor into a serious panel. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh but it's also I think a very smart storytelling technique because you have a lot of dialogue going on in this panel and instead of you've already got panels of them facing each other and talking mm -hmm. to each other, so there's not a whole lot and the next page is all them, so it's uh I think it's mm -hmm. a great way to kind of break up visually. Yeah. It also yeah, it reminds us that all these other people are still there. Because <laughs> yeah, right. if it was just right. two or three pages of Ed and Al, we might forget about everyone else still standing around. Yeah, it, it also tells us that they're not just standing with their, you know, heads up their butts. They're uncomfortable because this is a family moment and you know, Japanese people in general, I don't like to make sweeping generalizations, but I totally do. Uh, they uh, don't really like to get into each other's business in public. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can just give you anecdotes. Okay. Mm. So like, uh, I think as Americans, when we often talk about we have that one weird uncle or that one, you know, strange member of the family, which is probably me in my case. <laughs> uh 
But like if I ask somebody in the wrong environment, like in the wrong situation, don't you have anybody weird in your family? I think the first instinct is to say, no, we're all normal. Uh, and uh, But later, like in a more relaxed, alcohol-induced environment, then we realize that all families have the same problems, no matter the country. <laughs> but uh, I think they're a lot more careful about uh, what they say in, in public uh, mm. in this kind of situation. So like seeing a real personal moment between family members is probably really super uncomfortable. And I think readers probably connect with it instantly. Mm. You know, like, Tim, did your parents ever fight in front of company? No. No, mine neither. Mine neither. But did you, did you have any friends whose parents fought when you were over at their house? Not that I remember. My grandparents would fight sometimes when I was at their house. <laughs> well, or more, not necessarily fight. It was basically all grandma yelling at grandpa. <laughs> well, I had, I had friends. I had friends who's like, they would have these huge yelling matches when I was over at their house. And I was like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> Is there some place I can hide? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I, yeah, I, I also connect with that moment. I think. Yeah, Al is saying uh, you know, he he wants to make sure Ed lives so they can he can do more research and find a way to get their old bodies back. And he says maybe even save poor girls like Nina. I won't let you throw that chance away. If you did, I'd never forgive you. Uh, and then. Uh, Al's other arm, one arm of his armor falls off or breaks off, ker snap. This kind of callback, I mean, it, it was just a like uh, a chapter or so ago before this, but uh, this kind of callback is uh, super important to me in mm. a a comic series, especially one that has an ending, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the one problem I have with uh, TV shows, I don't need them to be, like, 100% focused on continuity. But if something happens in the first season and they say, I'll never forget you, and that person's never mentioned again, (laughs) I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Like, I want it to to have some impact. Like, so when a, a show like Adventure Time animated show does an amazing amount of call forwards and callbacks i'm Mm. extremely gratified uh, because it feels like a cohesive like it's one story and uh i i think that's one of the things that i loved about japanese animation in the first place because when i started watching star blazers which is uchu senkai yamato you know, it was you had to watch in order because the number of days left to save the Earth was a countdown, and uh, you know, and characters had arcs. People died, and uh, you know, uh, people grew. And so, for us in the seventies and eighties, like cartoons where the characters actually go through any kind of arc was like unheard of. You know, Scooby Doo oh, yeah. is always going to be. 
Scooby damn do. He's never going <laughs> to stop. He's, he's, you're never going to have Scooby go like, you know what? I, I don't care about Scooby snacks anymore. I'm beyond the snack. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a much, I'm a bigger dog than mm-hmm. I used to be. You know? Well, that was true of, of most prime time shows too. I mean, you know, the Brady Bunch, the kids grew up, but yeah, you know, I mean, every show was, every episode was very self-contained. Yep, yep, yep. So they could be shown in every or in any order, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Which I don't, I don't know how that started in the first place. Uh, I'm sure there must have been some utility to it, but well, and uh, of course, you know, we couldn't, you know, access episodes whenever we wanted them back then, and you know, they wanted to make sure people didn't feel lost, so. So uh, I think most shows had very little continuity. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I think, and I'm not sure about this, but I also think that some networks were probably given the ability to choose episodes they didn't want to show. Mm. Because I don't know, but I saw like uh, back in Georgia on uh, one o'clock in the morning on Saturday nights, I would watch Star Trek reruns. Mm-hmm. And I swear they had the same ten episodes going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. oh man, this one again, Journey to Babel. That's like the one I hate the most. <laughs> Except it's got Andorans in it. So I have found that, uh, like, I've been watching Get Smart, and I'm in the second season right now. And I found, especially in the first season, there were several episodes I'd never seen in syndication. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I don't know if that was because they weren't released in syndication or if local stations didn't want, you know, just skip those for some reason. But I was kind of surprised like, wow, there were some I'd never seen before. <laughs> well, it's like, you, you're never going to see like the first episode of Lost in Space. It's like, I don't think they ever showed it again, you know? Uh, and because the character's a little bit different. And it's almost like a pilot, like Dr. Smith's a little bit more, uh, what's the word, I'm ominous, you know? Mm. Yeah, by the end of the, se- the first season, he's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could do an impression of him, though. He's got a great voice. <laughs> okay, well, we're in the home stretch here, so let's uh, power through here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm working on it, Tim. I'm working on it. I get all intertextual, you know. I'm a postmodernist, so. <laughs> yeah, that moment where the uh, the arm pops off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> And Al is like, stupid brother, you know, I, I don't, you know, you, you know what the English is, uh, but it's uh, that, that moment kind of breaks the tension mm-hmm. uh, beautifully. It's like, you know, when you sometimes see the, the knockdown, drag down, drag out fights where the two people fighting realize that, you know, they have a lot more in common than they do uh, not in common. And they start laughing about it and like, mm-hmm. you really kicked my ass there. So... Yeah, that's I love that moment. But yeah, they they realize well we're alive, so that's the important thing. That's right. That's right. And, well, I mean, I don't think you give it the gravitas it deserves there, Tim. <laughs> because I mean, that's the point of it. The point yeah. of it is that uh, you know we uh, we might be falling apart. We you know we're we're in bad shape but we are alive and so there's there's hope for the future. Mhm. 
and that's the point. That's why he didn't. Yeah. That's why you know, uh, he didn't want his big brother to like sacrifice himself just so the little brother could get away. He wants them both to be alive. Mm-hmm. Who's talking here? Is it Ar- Armstrong who's surprised that the, the the suit of armor is his younger brother? I'm guessing maybe yes. I've never heard of transmuting a human soul. He must have been willing to lay down his life to try something like that. Yes, yes, yes. And and he's... Yeah, he looks a little bit serious about, you know, because we know it's kind of a no-no. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Al had no body, so that would be, right. if he wanted to have Al around at all, he had to do that. Yeah. And, and we see here... Uh, Mustang and Armstrong kind of talking about how the Ish what what are, what are they called in English? The Isvadians? Ish Ishvarlan. Okay, the Ishvarlans are uh, probably gonna be trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get a couple of really dark flashback pages explaining that the Ishvarlans are people from the East who believe in one god, Ishvara, and had always had some conflicts with the central government, and then 13 years ago, an army officer accidentally shot an Ishvarlan child, uh, which sparked a civil war, it says, a lot of rioting, uh, and eventually the central government dispatched state alchemists in a genocide campaign against the Ishvarlans. Uh, and so that's what uh, Scar is trying to avenge here by killing the state alchemists. And the, the fact that Mustang explains this very objectively and says, basically, we messed up, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he wants revenge is understandable to a point, you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, and Mustang was one of those alchemists who did the genocide. Yeah, so obviously he feels, you know, some a great deal of ambivalence toward mm-hmm. those actions. And, and I do like stories like this, where there's uh, this almost unforgivable sin in the past that the characters carry around until they are able to redeem themselves. I like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So he, yeah, Mustang thinks there's a certain amount of justice in that, but Ed says it's not justice because he's involving innocent people. He's trying to get his revenge. That's right. Excellent point too. Excellent point too, because basically he's doing the same thing. Uh, when involving people who aren't even, you know, if you get in the way, I'm going to kill you. And there's no, no, no way around it, basically, mm-hmm. for, for Scar. He can only go straight forward in one line. And uh, so there's no subtlety to him and yeah, no well, subtlety kind to of, his morality. It's kind of a matter of be- becoming what you hate. You know, he's so intent on wiping out the people who indiscriminately killed his people that he's willing to turn around and indiscriminately kill them, even if they weren't involved in the genocide. Exactly. And I assume this was 
before Ed was an alchemist. I mean, Ed was probably yeah, seven a baby ago, or so. young or non-existent back then. I'm not well, sure says, how old he is. I think it, didn't it say seven years ago? So, well, let's see. Yes. Was that? Oh, no, 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 no. Not seven so, years ago, but it was so like after, a, a seven so the, the shooting of the kid was 13 years ago, and uh, the Civil War continued for seven years, and then the genocide started. So that would have been six years ago. Mm-mm-mm. That's why we keep you around, Tim, those math skills. <laughs> six plus seven <laughs> is 13. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Uh, but, yeah, again, we have... Uh, humorous moment you know i mean we we have the whole crew this is not a humorous moment but the whole crew uh mustang is off screen uh but he's basically stating his solution to the scar problem and that's destruction uh, yeah to destroy we'll kill him. him but we have the whole crew there and they're all uh you know basically acknowledging that that's that's the strategy <laughs> you know, going forward and that they're all, you know, as a team, you really see them as a team in this picture. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then Hughes says on that cheerful note, that's enough of this pointless conversation. Ed can't fix Al because he doesn't have an, one of his arms. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the automail arm now and he needs two arms to do alchemy and Armstrong, yeah, Armstrong flexing <laughs> his muscles says, shall I fix him for you? Al says, no, thank you. What What's the uh, the English above his head? I mean, how is that translated? Just flex. Oh, okay. <laughs> that works. That works. In <laughs> Japanese, it's like mori, which is like... Uh, uh, mori, 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 mori. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Muscles, like, bulging. But, yeah, Ed says he's the only one who knows how to keep Al's soul in the armor. So, he has to have a new arm. So... Uh, uh, and then, yeah, one more bit of humor here. Hawkeye says, if Edward can't use alchemy, then he's just, and another guy says, a little brat who swears a lot. Others say, an arrogant pipsqueak, useless, just useless. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that Mustang is saying it because he's, he's happy to like pass on, pass on the useless word to (laughs) someone else. And then... (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. then Al, Al is like, I, you know, I, I can't. Sorry, big you. brother. I don't know how to follow that. And Ed, yeah, you're all picking on me. I'm surprised they used the word follow because it's follow in Japanese, but to follow in Japanese is, is like, uh, to uh, kind of ameliorate. Like, uh, if somebody says something bad, then you go, no, 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 that's not true. And that's what's followed, like he following mm. up is uh, in Japanese, but... Uh, I see. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, he's basically saying there's, I can't, you know... I can't refute that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, finally, Ed says, fine, I have no choice, I have to go see my mechanic. And, and that's the end of the The show. weight of this, the weight of the, like, the sky, and then there's the the word balloon in the middle of the panel and the fact that, you know, he's saying it, uh, I guess we should go to see, you know, the mechanic. It's, yeah, it's kind of hanging there in the sky. We're like, is that ominous? What, what are, you know, what's hap- What's going to happen? <laughs> you know? 
So, yeah, very. Yeah. Well, yeah, it tells us that that's something significant. A lot, a lot more story that you get in a typical chapter or a typical, like, one once a month floppy. Wouldn't mm. you agree? Mm, well, certainly one month floppy these days. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um, it's it's as least at least as much story. Well, I just yeah, I mean you have you have a fight scene, you got the action scene, and then you have the uh, exposition fit in really nice, and you have the history lesson with more exposition, and you have mm-hmm. the the brotherly conflict, and then you have the the denouement uh, where the group comes together to decide what to do with Scar, and then you have uh, what are we gonna do. Uh, with uh, the damage stuff, you know, the segue into the next part. I just think it it's, uh, I don't know, it just, maybe I shouldn't compare it to American floppies. I should compare it to other Japanese comics. Uh, but I would say that that's a lot of things happening in one chapter. Of course, mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, like uh, Full Metal Alchemist isn't published in a weekly. It's published in a monthly. Mm-hmm. And so... The chapters are a little bit longer than yeah. weekly chapters, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot more leeway to get more story done Yeah, uh, in a month. I think there has to be, and that's parallel to American comics, there has to be more meat to it, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not going to be able to read the next one for a whole dang month. Well, or these days sometimes less, but Amazing Spider-Man's coming out two or three times a month now. Weird, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I like when they try new stuff. I mean, it it almost never works, but I like when they try it because the <laughs> the model is really starting to get outdated. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm on I'm in a lot of uh, like comic book groups on Facebook, and I totally understand the uh, the love of the format and the nostalgia that's tied into that. But I've never felt that it's the only way to read print or distribute comics because yeah comics have you know initially there was a bunch of different ways that comics were published and then there was a lot more anthologies when comic books first come out i mean action comics number one was an anthology you had mm-hmm. i don't know several stories some one page gags and uh mm. and things in there so yeah, I, I like when they try stuff out because I, you know, everybody's, we've been talking about the death of comics for at least three decades, at least three <laughs> decades. And, uh, and they won't die because they're, it's a very dynamic form. If you are not good at drawing, you can focus on the text. If you are not good at writing, you can focus on the art. Uh, you know, of course, a good comic is going to have a balance of that. But basically, what I'm saying is, like, if to express yourself as a mode of expression, uh, comics are uh, an amazing communication tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's, you know, you have to use more of your senses to, well, to process it, but also to create it. And so, I think more of you yourself can come across in a comic. Uh, mm. And this is something that uh, some uh, educators are studying, uh, use of how they use comics. Like, uh, 
a lot of foreigners who come to, I hate user foreigners, a lot of overseas visitors <laughs> <laughs> who come to Japan uh, and like study uh, exchange students, etc. Uh, they have similar difficulties with living in Japan. And uh, it's just like uh, the cultural differences, acceptance uh, of... Uh, certain marginalized identities is is often a difficulty and totally understandable. But uh, for the teachers who are trying to get them to not look beyond that, I mean, not forget it, but like look beyond it and see what the other person is thinking first and then see if there's some way to bridge the difference. So if you're only talking from your own perspective... Uh, and this is a discussion that I've unfortunately had on Facebook recently. Uh, if you're only looking from things from your own perspective, then yeah, you're you're only going to see part of the problem. But uh, this one teacher encouraged these students to express uh, things from the other point of view in short comic form, and I saw the results, and they were amazing. A lot of people made a lot of interesting self discoveries. Uh, using that medium of of comics, hmm. and so uh, that kind of got me thinking of like the power of comics, uh, mm-hmm. and this is something that you know we need to have a whole show about sometime. Maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> we could do <laughs> a deconstructing here. comics about it. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well that's chapter seven. So uh, we'll be back in hopefully a couple of weeks uh, with the next chapter. And and let us know. Let us know if I'm going way too off topic for you guys, okay? Because <laughs> we, we are doing this for ourselves, you know, as far as, like, we really enjoy this comic. Mm-hmm. We enjoy uh, – there's a lot to unpack in, in each chapter, and so yeah. there's so much for us to talk about. And we really are having a good time. But, you know, we want you guys to have a good time, too. So, you know, drop us uh, some kind of message, one format or the other. We're on Twitter, yeah, at L-O-E-E podcast and email L-O-E-E podcast at deconstructingcomics.com. So, yeah, let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And, you know, the law of equivalent exchange means you get what you pay for. See you next time. Next time. Our theme is Cryosyncope by Winterfiend. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com.